welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast sponsored by Tenants. On this week's podcast, I'm joined by Greg and Chris. Good evening, guys. Evening, guys. How are we doing, lads? What do you think about my introduction, including Tenants there? Is that an official deal? Is that an official sponsorship or is it a... It's unofficial, but what I thought was, if I mention them, I just contact them by email and then I might get a freebie out of it. Could you not pick something better than Tenants? Well, mention a brand and we'll contact them. There goes your sponsorship deal straight away. <laughs> Garbage. Oh, see if we could mention Stella if you want. We'll see if we can get a freebie Stella. I'll go for that then. Right, Stella's good. <laughs> right, I, well, I tried to get Laurie on this evening, but he's too busy. Too busy celebrating after the weekend, I think. Uh... So I would have enjoyed listening to, listening to him. He'll be jubilant. He'll be drunk. But... <laughs> Probably, aye. After they won about £200 at the bookies. I've seen yeah. that, aye. Had, had a bet in the correct score. Yeah, aye. Does, it doesn't tell us about it, though, does it? Oh, it's a problem. So on this week's podcast, we've got the, the semi-finals in the Scottish Cup. We've got Aberdeen against Hibs, and then that's followed <coughs> by Celtic against Hearts. We'll also cover last week's Paul Band charity bet, which took a bit of a dive after the recent success. And we'll also touch on the, the news this evening that the the SFA are potentially looking into a, a new league structure in Scotland, uh, potentially replacing the, the SPL and SFL setup. But we'll cover that later on. So the first game up is Aberdeen against Hibs, which finished 2 1 to Hibs. And, well, that's Hibs in the, the first final for, I, I can't even say, to be honest. I don't know how long it's been. Well, but I know it's. Is it 11 years? Yep, the last time they were in the final was 2001 when Celtic beat them. But yeah, I do know how long it's been since they've actually won the Scottish Cup <laughs> and it's a, a fairly embarrassing record. I'm sure it was Skatchel a few weeks ago tweeted a, an image of, a, it was almost like a horse and cart, but it could have been a tram back in 1902. So it's, it's been a while. So I, I thought they deserved it from what I've seen. I thought that uh, Aberdeen had the better goal overall. Uh, Fallon's goal was was a beauty, chesting it into the air, and I think I think Stack got caught out because he seemed to hit it so early. He seemed to get his foot up about head height to hit it. It's it's just beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I, I was laughing last week at Darren Mackey almost scoring a spectacular goal by accident as he fell over, but yep. there's no doubt this week Rory Fallon meant every second of that one, and it was an absolute beauty. There was a mate of mine actually as an Aberdeen fan. He says it's uh, it's probably the, the best goal he's seen in person, or, or mate, perhaps it's on a par with the one he's seen uh, James McFadden score in Paris. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure yeah. if he wasn't just uh, bragging about being in Paris for that game. Aye, <laughs> but, I'm a bit jealous about that. Yeah, uh, but aye, it was a, a terrific goal. Yeah, sadly, a wee bit, sorry, Chris, oh, I reminded no. a wee bit of Peter, Peter Crouch's one a few weeks ago where yes. the match of day was going cock a hoop. Similar sort of thing up there, of course, because it's in the Scottish Cup final, doesn't even get a, um, a mention in the same sort of breadth, but aye, an absolute, an absolute perler. Yeah, I think Stack, he was off his line anyway, but I just think he got caught, he got caught off guard with that, just that split second where he, Fallon just seemed to have the flexibility to hit it so early. It was, I, see, uh, I see Stack's missing for the final. Yeah, I'm hearing that. It's a shame because... I, he seemed to had a couple of dodgy kickouts, and it was his, the last one he did that he just something something pinged in his hamstring. Well, it could be a nasty injury. That if, if it depending on how bad it is, he might get back in time. But I mean, if he's missing, we'll go with what Mark Browning goal. He was the one that came on. 
was, yeah. Former, he's a good keeper, though. Former Rangers and Celtic. Yes, ah, he's, he's quality. Definitely a, a, a suitable replacement. So did you see Griffiths with his celebration following his goal as he, he fumbled about for his dummy? His dummy tip. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't see enough of those kind of celebrations. Oh, you, do. you see too many of those celebrations. Well, Why do you need toys? Just be happy you've scored. I mean, you can, is, clearly you can take your shirt off and swing it on your head and run, a, like, run halfway to the park, of course, and, and we'll get to Craig Beatty later. Well, I, we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> world-class celebrations later on. But yeah, so he had that dummy down his, his shin guard for the whole game. That's the thing, that's got to be uncomfortable. Oh, he, he, well, the boy's an absolute rocket. <laughs> they can, uh, you know, come on to talk about the, the final later on, but I think, uh, I think Fenland just, just has to keep him out of trouble for a couple of months so that he actually makes the game so they maybe stick him in a box or something get fat Gary O'Connor to sit in it for a, for six weeks or so and just uh, keep his nose clean because uh, uh, it's proved and proved again there at the weekend that if you, if you give him a chance he's he's going to do the business and stick a stick ball away because it, it was a really good finish for his for his goal and having Connor up front I mean I think I think Hibs are slowly getting a wee bit of confidence back and starting to believe they can go on and going and beat sides and that one there at the weekend will give them a huge boost Aye definitely I mean the, the problem I don't think for Hibs this season has been the, the goal scoring it's been keeping it out of the other end and Aberdeen haven't really been scoring too many goals so it was it was always on the cards this Hibernian was just a, maybe a, a wee shock Yeah so I went into this game I thought I'd put a, a cheeky scorecast on I don't often do that so I thought I'd put O'Connor for scorer and Aberdeen 2-1 Mm, it was close. Looking good. It was looking good at one point. It was, yeah. I so that that followed my prediction in last week's podcast, which was two one, but obviously the the wrong way round. John went one nil to Aberdeen, and Chris, it's your turn to be smug. What you went two one. Ah, if you remember what I actually said was, I think it'll be an extra time. So Hibs done it too quickly. Ah, so right. I'll, I'll I'll put my hands up there and just say that's not quite exactly right. So. <laughs> Yeah, did you put money on it at all, or or were you thinking it was going to be a draw? Well, no, I put what I did was I put money on the the four semi-finals because obviously it was the FA Cup final weekend down south, and after Saturday I'd had Hibs and Liverpool come through come through for me, but sadly the the Sunday went completely awry. Well, Spurs got an absolute tanker off Chelsea, so that didn't help help because I had money in them, and obviously we'll come to it. The, the Celtic defeat was a bit of a shock to me as well. Yeah, the Spurs have just fallen apart since Capello left. It's just, it's, it's remarkable, really, how badly they've done since then. Yeah, Harry Redknapp for England, great idea. But that's the, that's the thing, this is Spurs fans will be wanting it now. Just to get, to get, get rid of them. Yeah, yeah. Although maybe if somebody else gets chosen in England position, he'll, he'll start improving again. But yeah, it's maybe it's weighing too much on his mind. That's possible. What did you think of the, the O'Connor offside and the build-up to the winning goal, though? I hadn't, I hadn't spotted the significance of that. Uh, no. Well, apart, apart, well, I seen it on, on sports scene last night. Just in the, the build up to yeah, the Griffiths goal, there's a there's a pass to a corner where he's coming back for an offside position, and yeah, they kind of got away with one. But it, it was funny; it wasn't really discussed in sports scene, despite the fact that it's, it's a winning goal. The problem is, it wasn't the Celtic game in sports scene. That's why it wasn't discussed. I watched it last night. I think they were get twenty minutes in the, the Hibs Aberdeen game, which is which is par for the course, but. According to what I've read today and on Twitter and all the rest of it, it sounds as though um, Hibs would maybe get away with one um, for the offside as well. And there was also there was a couple of Aberdeen fans complaining about, um, I think it was McPake's 
clearance that led up to the goal as well. The, the allegation being that he'd been through the back of somebody, but I don't remember seeing it on the, the highlights last night, so I can't really be, be too sure whether or not that was the case. Uh, they're just restricted with time, I think, for the highlights, and it didn't just affect that game because we'll maybe touch on it later. But it affected the the Celtic Hearts game as well that they missed out things that well, hopefully we'll discuss today. Yeah, too many controversial decisions in that. Well, allegedly controversial. Yeah, I saw. So, well, moving on to that game then, uh, the game on Sunday was Celtic against Hearts, and. Well, this was Celtic hopefully pushing for the the second final of the season and potentially for the, the double. And, well, despite dominating in the first half, I'm sure it was 70% possession I've seen. They only had, I think, one shot on target from Chris Commons. And, to be honest, it was straight down the throat of McDonald. It wasn't troubling too much. And then Hearts brought on Beatty. I think that that was the... The turning point in the game, something happened at half time, and I'm sure it was him that set up Scatchel for the first goal. And I, I don't know if he were uh, focusing so much on the the fluff as he managed to take it round Foster, but it was maybe he meant it. Maybe he meant to it to be such a subtle touch, but it looked like a fluff to me. But composure to to get the goal in the end because I don't know what defender it was. It was on the line, but that's. Could very easily have been hit against him, and a good idea by lifting it up. Ah, no, it's uh, a really, good finish. Really confident finish. It's one of these when you when you decide to go high, you, you've always got the uh, possibility of skying it over a bar. But he's fired it right in the roof of the net. It's a great finish, great start for him. Yeah, I thought uh, Forster was was maybe a bit reluctant to dive in. He, he almost bottled out of the trying to get the ball. He just kind of went down on his knees and, and just accepted that. He'd rather he, he went past him rather than bringing him down. Yeah, Maybe yeah. a sensible choice. It's, it's difficult with that. Oh, you've turned it a fluff. I'm not, I'm, I, I would tend to believe he meant it because Skatchel's just cheeky enough to try that kind of thing. But uh, I mean, if, if you're always in a, a, a bit of a lose lose there with the, the, the keeper because if you go down too early, it makes it easier for the striker. And if, if you go down yeah. and take out the man, it's a penalty and you can be sent off. And It's, it's a difficult one for the, the, the keeper in that situation. But. Yeah, I mean, crack and finish with schedule. And the like you say. Yeah, and then the the next goal was Hooper's goal. I think it was set up by Charlie Mulgrew, who I'm sure the commentary described it as it wasn't a left foot, it was a it was a wand. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it was a, a perfect cross, and well, it was, it was a good goal. But looking back, and, and I definitely didn't see this when I seen it live, but I think that. Uh, well, Maybe we won't all agree, but I think uh, most of us will agree that anyway that Hooper was offside for that. I think his his right right leg, maybe thigh, was offside for me when I seen a, a still image of it. What do you think? Like you say, I never seen it at the time either. When I, mean, I was at the game and I was pretty much in line with the decision, and I never noticed at the time. But once I seen it back in the telly, he's he's about there's a good portion of his body spends most of the time offside. I think he's only level as he's actually heading the ball. So when the cross comes in, he's off. It's it's a very tight decision, so I can see why the linesman's maybe missed it. But having said that, the linesman's got a clear view of it. Yeah, I think it's harsh to be harsh on the linesman in this situation because it just happens so quickly. And I'm, I was looking at a, a still image, really, for me to, to say, yes, he was definitely offside. So in real time, I have no complaints that that 
mistake if if you want to say uh, uh, occurred. I agree with you because I, w- I watched the I watched it in the highlights last night and again they were slowing it down and showing you a couple of replays and I and when you see it from that angle he is he's, he's marginally offside. Not a lot in it, but he is offside. But I said in the forum last night, I mean, if you're expecting a, a pair of human eyes to catch that um, in real time play, I, I think I think we've been a wee bit over optimistic. And there's been a lot of debate about it, um, both yesterday and today as well. And I mean, we either need to accept it. Do you know what? Sometimes these decisions are going to slip through and we're not going to notice them, or we need to go down the route of uh, video replays because that's the only way you're going to consistently catch offside decisions like that. And I mean, this thing, these decisions will happen countless times during every game. It just so happened yesterday that um, there was a goal at the end of it, which is why we're concentrating on it so much. But I think we just need to remember that there's, a, there's, there's got to be a tolerance included when you're relying on human um, human beings making judgment calls in a split second. And yeah, that one yesterday, the linesman got it wrong. But I don't, I mean, it wasn't as if Hooper was a couple of feet offside. He was, you know, maybe six inches offside of that. So. I don't think they can be too overcritical of the uh, the linesman from this. Yeah, well, if you if you're looking at that and, and simply treating it as one mistake by the linesman, again, I'm reluctant to use the term mistake. But if that was just one mistake, you could look at probably any player on the park and a handful of mistakes each. It happens all the time for players, but it's just not focused on as much as maybe not as important as significant as a, a linesman making a call like that, but it's still mistakes. We're all human. I'm loath to say it. Sorry, you go, I'm, I was just going to say, I'm loath to say it because it's such a tainted phrase these days, but it, it, it literally was an honest mistake. Yeah, yep, I, I agree. And I, th- I think if we're starting to get down this route of scrutinising all these decisions, and um, and I mean, there is, there, there's a lot at stake sometimes with these sort of things, and if, if we decide to get down that route, then you know, football has to bring itself into the bring itself into the um, the, sort of, the sort of same realms as rugby and other sports we've been doing for years and start employing the technology to to make these calls. Now I don't know if a football as a football fan whether I want whether I want a game interrupted, you know, six and seven times during the course of a match to, to confirm whether or not a, a, an offside decision was, was correct or otherwise. I think you just have to accept it, you know, as part of the game and I just need to go on with it, to be honest. I'm all for technology when it comes to goal line, but only if it's a, a case of a, a buzzer or a sensor instantly yeah. telling you it goes over the line, then I think it's it's there's only positives that come with that. But yeah, if you're talking about video replays, it's how often are you going to allow it? Are you, you're going to inevitably get time wasting at the end of a game because um, a manager is is maybe cruising it and he's just thinking, well, I've got my three appeals left. I'll just use them up for anything. Well, to be so fair, they do that with substitutions, though. How many times have you seen the managers go, oh, I've got three subs left, I'll use them in like, the, the 89th minute and the 90th minute and the 91st minute. I'm bringing players on that I'm not going to use just to win the clock yep. then. And the guy that's on the pitch, they get them to switch wings as well. Yeah. <laughs> Hearts done that yesterday with one of the players at least. It's funny, yes. it appeared as far away from the touchline as possible. Yeah, I was reading the, the rules and apparently you can go off the pitch wherever you want. It doesn't have to be at the bench. But obviously, if you're wasting time, you, you would take advantage of the fact you have, of going to the bench. You need to high-five your teammate and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll move on to the, the contentious issue, which was uh, the Ledley handball, I'll call it that, keep it simple. 
So a, a shot shot at the edge of the box, Ledley decides to turn his back on the ball. He was listening to the podcast last week when I said that the secret to a good defender is to turn your back on any shot. <laughs> so he turns his back on the shot, the ball hits his arm. Uh, from what i seen anyway, I thought the referee blew it because it hit his arm. Potentially it was because the ball hit his arm, bounced off the ground and then hit one Yama's hand and he maybe gave it for that. But, well, if we look at the Ledley incident, first of all, do you think it was a handball, Greg? There's no, there's no doubt. There's no doubt you can see the uh, the ball scalp his arm. That's that's not in any doubt. But there's a couple of things for me. I think I think the shot. I think that shot sailing miles over the bar to begin with. It's not goal bound. That's going to be going over the bar. And as soon as as a defender, if you if you turn your back to the ball and you're only maybe what two or three feet away from the guy taking the shot. It's very difficult for you to get your arm down by your side, so it's not. It doesn't appear to be interfering with play. I mean, it's, it's a completely unnatural thing to do. If you're diving in to make that challenge, then your arm is going to be detached from the side of your body. I don't think there's a great deal of intent, and, and, and I was under. I was also under the impression that if, if they're given a penalty for handball, it has to be for deliberate handball, and I, I, I just struggle to see that yesterday as being a deliberate handball. However. As a penalty, it possibly is, but it's in the it's in the really really soft bracket, and um, and given it at that stage of the game, I thought it took a took a pretty big uh, big pair of balls from the uh, the referee to do that because it's I mean that's that's a point of no return to be honest. Hey, I've got the I've got the rules in front of me. If well, how very Pat Nevin of you. <laughs> you know what I was when I heard that Pat Nevin had done that because I've not seen sports scene. I think, no, no, I was going to do that. Because <laughs> I maybe mentioned this a few podcasts ago, but yeah, I sat down and read through all the rules and some of it's quite interesting. And well, the handling of handling the ball is, is an interesting rule. I'll tell you one part of it that doesn't come into play here, but it's interesting that you can, if you hit the ball with a thrown object, for example, a boot or a shin guard, that counts as handball. Cool. But well, that doesn't really apply here. <laughs> uh, also, touching the ball with an object held in the hand, a boot, clothing, a shin guard, that still counts as a handball. Magic wand. <laughs> magic wand, Charlie McGrew's yeah. magic wand. Yep. Right, so uh, handling the ball. Handling the ball involves a deliberate act of a player making contact with the ball with his hand or arm. The referee must take the following into consideration. The, move, the first point, the movement of the hand towards the ball not the ball towards the hand. So in this instance, he didn't move his hand towards the ball. Not from what I seen. He, he didn't. He didn't uh, make a, a slap motion. He didn't make a punch motion. The ball hit his hand. So in that for that point, I, it's not. It's not a handball. The next point is the distance between the opponent and the ball. Now for me, yeah, we can all see that it was so close that it's going to be difficult for Ledley to to move his arm out the way. So. On one hand, that's that's not a penalty. It's not a handball. But in in brackets, we've got unexpected ball here. So it's the distance between the opponent and the ball. Brackets unexpected ball. Now Ledley went. He turned his back because he knew the shot was coming. So for me, the ball wasn't unexpected. He expected the ball to come towards him. He also expected the ball to come potentially near his face. And for me, he put his arm up to block his face, suspecting the ball was coming in that direction. So 
to me, I think that's a handball based on that rule because the ball wasn't uh, unexpected. The next rule is uh, the position of the hand does not necessarily mean there is an infringement. Now, again, I've, I've just mentioned there that I think he's he's brought his hand up to his arm up to protect his face, therefore trying to block the ball. Yes, block the ball from hitting his face, but to me that's still a handball. So my point, what I like to bring up and read out these rules is, because I've heard about people talking about to the letter of the law, but to me, and I've read out exactly what it says there, it's it's all about how the referee uh, it takes everything into account. <coughs> I've said I've said on one hand it's not a penalty because he didn't move his hand towards the ball, but then I've also said that I think it was because it was the ball wasn't unexpected if you like, and I think he did put his arm in a position that would stop the ball. So I think it's just judgment on the day. I don't think we can say to the letter of the law it is or it isn't. I think it's just on the day what the referee takes to be a handball, and I think that's the problem. Yeah. What do you think, Chris? I I, I agree with that. I think this comes down to totally the referee's interpretation of what he's seen. As you say, it's technically hit his hand. You can make a case that Joe Lydler knows it's coming. So from that perspective, it's kind of like a charge down in rugby. You know that thing where he's about to kick the ball up the field and then the the the, the player runs in at the last second, puts his hand up to try and block the kick. Yeah, it's it's sort of reminiscent of that. And if that's the case, then I can understand why the penalty's been given. Having said that, that this is the kind of penalty that sometimes gets given and sometimes doesn't, and you can kind of see why it goes either way. The big problem with this is that the referee appears to be of the belief that it's Wanyama's hand that's been the the real incident and not Ledley's, which seems yep. to be causing a lot of confusion because the players themselves were on Twitter and reports were saying that um, the players were saying that the referee told them that it's Wanyama's hand, not Ledley's hand, yeah. which is obviously sparked off a lot of jokes about well, white guy, black guy, yeah, <laughs> who you know tell a difference. But the replays from the that I seen in the sports scene show that it does actually hit Wanyama in the hand, although yes, it does. It he hasn't got does. a clue that that ball's there. Well, if we're if we're looking at the 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 list that I've read out, the movement of hand towards the ball, no, definitely didn't. Uh, the distance between the opponent and the ball, brackets unexpected ball, he knew nothing of it. It, it bounced off Ledley, hit the ground, bounced up, hit his fingers. It looked like uh, the position of his hand does not necessarily mean there is an infringement. His arm was down by his side, so I'd say everything points to it not being a handball and not being a foul, but. I think the fact it touched his hand means that there's a chance the referee gives it. But for me, the Wanyama, I would definitely not give a penalty. I wouldn't give a foul anywhere on the pitch for a handball there. No, no. If I get given against your team, you're you're raging about it. And if you get given for you, you're almost embarrassed. Yeah. There's a real kicker in this though, because I was like, I know this is a rumor that I I read on Twitter earlier, so take it with a pinch of salt. But there's a there's a rumour doing the rounds now that uh, the referee didn't even see the incident. He looked at Wanyama's guilty expression, saw the Hearts players claiming a penalty, possibly for the Ledley incident rather than the Wanyama one, and thought must be a penalty and gave it. And if that's yeah. the case, there's a big issue. I think we'll never ever know. We'll never know. He won't say it out loud. His, his report will say what what we expect it to say. So yeah, we'll never ever know. And well, at the end of the day, the guy's a professional, so I would doubt that he would he would take such a, a guess at things. But that's just my opinion. 
I think it was such it was such a big shout from the Harps players. So again, if you watch it back in the in the replay on the television, there's about half a dozen of them who all immediately throw their arms up in the end, claim a penalty. And I think also the fact that it happened up at the Harps end had the burning as well, because it would have been a huge shout for the crowd as well. Because as soon as you see a ball scalp somebody's hand in the box, you're not immediately thinking, well, was that ball to hand or was that intentional? If it's against your team, there's a huge shout of penalty goes up. I think the referees um, seen all that and just straight to the spot. Just one of these split-second decisions pointed to the spot. And um, it's obviously, it's been, everybody's kind of gone over it with a, a fine-tooth comb again today, but I don't know, only he knows whether or not he's, he's seen enough to award that penalty or whether he's been influenced by um, events round about him at that point in time. Yeah, I mean, like you say, the, the big shout for the crowd as well. The crowd will shout for anything that they even interpret as a handball. As yeah. we seen a minute later at the other end of the park, when a ball was, the Celtic fans were claiming a ball had hit Andy Webster in the hand, and then you watch the replay, it hits him in the hip. Yes, yes. But it, well, it, it just looks claims... like it might have been a handball. So, of course, the Celtic fans are claiming for it, and a few of the Celtic players are claiming for it, and to be fair, the referee's got it spot on now. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I agree, and I think the easy choice in that instance would have been to give the penalty because he would have known whether he's positive he made the right decision you will know that some people will question the original penalty against Ledley or Wanyama so the easy option for him would have been to even it up by giving the Webster handball because live it did look like it did look close it was only when you watched it in slow motion that you seen that it didn't hit his hand or his fingers it's funny, when I watched it live, I thought it hit his chest. <laughs> so I, mean, I was completely out. That's why you're not a referee, Chris. That's why, yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, well, the the penalty, Craig Beatty steps up and the BBC text commentary described it as a power penalty. Well, it was basically just down the middle and Forster was a bit unlucky. I not thought to Forster got a wee finger tipped it. I think he uh, does. It's just too powerful him. to do it, mate. Yeah, and then uh, I mentioned earlier about world-class celebrations, but it's definitely one I'll remember for quite a while, and I'm not even a Hearts fan. But yeah, Beatty taking off his top. I, I was counting these up. Taking off his top, right? That's a booking. Leaving the field to play. That's a booking. Doing <laughs> a, a, a superb jog. I don't, I don't know what you call that. A strut <laughs> in front of the stand. I expected him to come on and the referee to actually send him off because I thought, no, he's, that's two bookings. But it's for un- unsporting behaviour, isn't it? So maybe it just it counts towards the whole incident. I'm just not sure. See, to be honest, should be a bit of common sense applied here. This is in the referee's guidelines. Common sense. Apply common sense. They never do it. In that incident, he's just scored what is pretty much the winner. And everybody knows he's just scored pretty much the winner in the the semi-final, put his team through to the, the, the Scottish Cup final. Of course he should be celebrating it. Of course he should be going absolutely ballistic. They've overcome the, the odds. The bookies have been done over here, but that's the uh, Hearts win. So why shouldn't he be celebrating it? I think that should be encouraged rather than decried. Having said that, as a Celtic fan watching a player that used to play for us celebrating a goal that much against a t- the team he used to play for, you kind of think... I wish he would celebrate a wee bit more like Henry Larson did when he scored against us. <laughs> Just put his head down and got on with it. But that's never going to happen in this situation. He's, I mean, fair play to him. He, he took the penalty well. And he has been the, the big difference in the game overall because, as you say, he set yes. up the, the schedule goal as well. Yes. Now, I've, I mentioned earlier, I'm going to bore everybody with my reading out of the laws of the game. 
but there's an interesting bit about the celebration of a goal. Leaving the field of play to celebrate a goal is not a cautionable offence in itself, but it is essential that players return to the field of play as soon as possible. Uh, yeah, and you mentioned about common sense. Referees are expected to act in a preventative manner, which we often see them do as they get in between the player and the right. crowd, and to exercise common sense in dealing with the celebration of a goal. There you go. That is crystal clear in those uh, rules that you can say, oh, you know what, it's a winner in a big game. Let's just leave uh, it. Well, although it, it says a player must be cautioned, he must be cautioned if he removes his shirt. So <laughs> I don't know how you, you can say he must be cautioned and then to say use common sense. Ah, well, if that's the case, yeah. he should be booked for the. He should be booked for removing his shirt. He shouldn't yeah. be booked for anything else. And it, that, that, you can apply that across the rules, across the games. We've seen this happening before. The last minute one on, the player gets booked because he happens to go near the crowd. Yeah. Oh, or on some occasions, the crowd grab them. <laughs> yes, yes. It says that reasonable celebrations are allowed, <laughs> but the practice of choreographed celebrations is not to be encouraged. <laughs> My goodness, that's, that's the best rule I've ever introduced. I used to hate all those daft things they did. Yeah, on their caterpillars and all the rest. It's funny if you watch the highlights, though, because just as, 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 as B scores his penalty and he reels away and he leaves, he leaves the... the um, the park and he jumps the horde and there's somebody ch- I think it's it may have been Barr that was chasing him but as soon as he left the park and jumped the horde Barr just sort of stopped him as like oh, not a chance he must be one of the guys that's one booking away from us as French and I think <laughs> he's like there's no way I'm following you down there but I know Chris is right I mean if, if you're looking at Twitter today and Facebook today and all the Hearts fans that are, that are going on there's loads of photographs on there and, and nine times out of ten the photographs of beat we shirt off running in the front of the wall and that do you know that's what it's all about semi-finals last minute winners that's that's what people pay their money to go and see so it's time they ripped up this ridiculous rule I hear a, a rumour that there's potentially been a, a complaint made by the police about it I suppose because it was maybe dangerous or... oh, I'm sick of hearing that I really am let's suck all the fun out of that boy yeah so well moving on a bit and, and looking at Ian Black because well, if we're talking about incidents with the, the referee and maybe decisions that he got wrong, Ian Black has to come up and there was an incident when he was on the deck and I can't remember who he lost the ball to, but in desperation, he tried to tackle Ledley and basically put all, all his studs into Ledley's shin and they ended up getting a, a booking only for it, but I think that could very easily have been a red card, definitely. I'm going to defend the field. The ref didn't see it. The referee actually took advice from his fourth official before he booked Black because he don't think he'd actually seen it. He'd already he'd just blown a second earlier for the Charlie Mulgrew challenge and Charlie Mulgrew was booked for that. Uh, and then obviously Black was on the ground and put his studs up into the Ledley. So if he's seen it properly, yeah, it's probably a red card. Mm-hmm. I think he's taken advice from his fourth official and maybe there's been a communication mix up and it's only been a booking from that so it's it's hard to say that the referee got that one wrong if he didn't see it yeah I, th- I think if you look at it again in the highlights there's, there's no doubt it's a it's a straight red card um, and like Chris is saying if the referee's got a clear view of that I think he's sending them off but Black's clearly got away with one yesterday but then was there not some other sort of I, I didn't see the whole game but somebody else was suggesting that he was he should have been cautioned again for a deliberate handball later yeah. on and wasn't. About, yeah. ten, about ten minutes later, there was a ball played down the line, which he flicked out of play with his hand. 
Yeah. He's clearly played it with his hand and he's clearly been intent to stop the ball going down the line. So he should have been booked for it. And that would have yes. been the second book and he'd have been off the park. Having said that, I did see uh, Mistorovic in the Scottish Cup final last year get away with something fairly similar where he had a just bizarre yeah. moment. Yeah. Oh, yes. the ball yeah, away and he got, he got off a book. I can't remember if he was already in a booking at that point. Or if there was a there was I a think was, right. an opportunity or some daft. Like I, th- I think I think he was. I think that would have been a, a second booking for him. But I remember that, that instant well. There was, there was a big shout uh, for the Motherwell fans that day. But aye, it's, it's one of these. Sometimes you get away with them. Sometimes you don't. Yeah, uh, I was listening to Clyde One this evening, and Hugh Keevens decide, uh, described Ian Black as a nasty piece of work and a danger to others. I'm just glad that Laurie wasn't listening to that. Oh. You know what? I, I I've defended Ian Black a few times, and he, he does seem to be calming down, and then he does something stupid like that challenge in Ledley, and you think, obviously the 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 nasty piece of work is still in there somewhere. Yes. But yeah. uh, he's you you almost you need you need to control it rather than batter it out of him, because if yep. you, if you take his aggression out of him, he probably lose something as a player. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And yeah. I thought to be fair, I thought I do think Pelo Sergio's done a lot of work with him this season, and. He doesn't get as many bad challenges as he had previously, but obviously nobody's perfect. Oh, he's, he's, he's ran that midfield, hasn't he? Definitely. I mean, it, I, I said this when uh, I think I said this last week, but uh, when he was suspended for the game at Tynecastle when Celtic won four 0 you could see it because the difference between Hearts and that four 0 game, and even Hearts yesterday or Hearts in the previous games they played against Celtic, was night and day. He does run that midfield. And it was the same when the Hearts won at Ibrox a few weeks ago. It was just Ian Black that turned the game around effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's your what's your view at the, the end of the game when Lennon decided to run onto the pitch and approach Norris and give him a piece of his mind? Um, how can I put this diplomatically? <laughs> I'm all in favour of the manager being upset that decisions have gone against him. Mm-hmm. I'm not in favour of him running on the park and accosting the referee. It's just what you're going to gain for that. Wait until exactly. wait until yep. you've seen the decisions back on the telly because this is another thing we got yesterday with Alan Thompson in his interview with the the, the television yeah. and the radio was coming away with saying, "Oh, we think a decision's gone against us. We can't believe the penalty's been given at one end, but it hasn't given at the other end." Well, what did you think of Hooper offside? Oh, I've not seen it. Yeah. Well, why are you talking then? Because you see, until you've seen both decisions, you don't even know the penalties are the same because they're not. One's out of hand, one's out of hap. Yeah, yep. I think that I think that Lennon let himself down at the end by doing that because we, you, uh, I mentioned on the forum earlier, what is he going to achieve by by running onto the pitch in a and in an aggressive manner, pointing, screaming, shouting at Norris? Let things calm down. Approach the referee after the game. If he doesn't want to speak to you, which it's up to the referee if he doesn't, then write a letter to the SFA, get in touch with them, explain to them why you think he, he, he made the wrong decision, maybe why he underperformed. But I think running onto the pitch, there's no place for that, and I think he'll get he'll get done for that, whether he's in the, the referee's report or not. I think he'll get done for that, and then I think he'll definitely get done for the comments on Twitter when he suggested that it was personal. Uh, I don't and see I'm not sure. Either. I mean... Yeah, I'm not sure. Was he meaning it's personal towards Lennon, personal towards Celtic as a club? I I just don't get it. I just don't get why he's coming out with things like that. When I don't know, people are saying uh, like on Clyde One they were talking about how he should stay away from Twitter. Now I'm not a big fan of Lennon, but from what I see in his Twitter account, he's actually 
he's he's quite funny. He's quite witty. He's, I think his, his tweets are quite good, except for when he loses, and he seems to let the the fan in him take over, and he comes out with comments like that. Yeah, it's just, the same ever, the same everyday though. Cause you, I mean, we're all on yes. Twitter. We've all been to a game. We've all put stuff on Twitter in the aftermath of a game, which we probably wish we hadn't put on. And I think, I think he's in the same boat with that. I would, I would like to yep. think he would wake up this morning, have a look at his timeline, and just I think, oh, probably shouldn't have said that. But right. I, 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 the problem I've got with Neil Lennon is. Um, I don't share a lot of people's view and the, the majority of people who I know have got an opinion on them and it's not a very good opinion. He's a so-and-so, he's a this and that. I, I really don't, I, I just don't share that opinion of the guy because I don't know him at all. All I can base it on is, 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 is what I see printed in the media and I think the media have a bit of a field day with him because more often than not they get the picture of him when he's snarling or when he's pointing or when he's shouting. And that seems to be the sort of public face which is which is projected to everyone. So I always kind of try and give the guy the benefit of the doubt because I, I've said this in the four months times. If I've got somebody managing my club, I want somebody there who's passionate about it, who, who, who kicks every ball and gets involved in every big decision. But the problem for me with Neil Lennon is, is there's the line, there's a line in the sand and too often he crosses that line. And, and yesterday was a... Um, was a was a prime example of doing that and the run on the park at the end because all that does is it just adds fuel to the fire of the people who dislike the guy and it just by doing that it just doesn't do himself any favours and I know it's it's easy to sit here I mean I wasn't the game I'm not a Celtic supporter you know far less the guy who's in charge of the team so I mean I've got no idea how he feels at the final whistle but I think somebody has to have a word with him and say look maybe it's time to take a step back for five or ten minutes. Like Chris is saying, have a look at the replays, have a look at the highlights, and then come out and say something. Because sprinting on the park at the end there, it's just, it's just bad form. And I, I, I kind of hope today he's, he's, he's maybe having a look at that again and regretting that a wee bit. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was embarrassing when Stephen Presley did it in the League Cup semi-final in exactly yeah. the same situation. Which yes. actually, Hugh Dallas was coming out today and saying, oh, I can't believe he's sprinting down to the pitch. That's the most... Uh, Obvious bit of bullying of a referee I've seen in 25 years, and I'm thinking it's not even the first time it's happened this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Presley was yeah. some sight, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean Presley, it was just it was just as embarrassing when Presley done it, and it's embarrassing when Lennon's done it. But don't, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong, I love Neil Lennon, I love his passion. I think it brings a lot to our game, it brings a lot to the fans. But I almost feel a hypocrite for saying this because he needs to learn when to shut up. It's just something I need to learn as well. <laughs> <laughs> he's been a number of times on Twitter myself I've, oh why did I tweet that he's, he's not going to be doing his team any good at all this is potentially his, his fourth fourth time up out, up in front of the beaks and what kind of ban is he going to get I, I don't think it's going to be in the single figures with, with these four charges against him especially since he's got well, previous so that that's no good because that's going to stretch into next season but did, potentially uh, it's all the STV guys on Twitter confirmed to me that everybody got a, a clean slate at the start of this season with the new rules coming in. So whatever's went previously shouldn't be used against them. Right. So it well, should, still would even then, the... they're still talking four different counts of things. Yeah, he one still would have got the five grand, grand, would he not? I think he'll still get that, yeah. He might still, yeah. still get the fine, but probably that's just because that was suspended rather than... Yes, yes, right. But I mean, the one of those four counts is something that you can't talk about the referee before the the match, yep. which I'd never heard of, and apparently so is a new rule one, this yeah. season. Yes. And then Kenny Shields broke it like, 
last week or the week before or something, and nobody said a word. So this is another rule we're not applying consistently then. I can't remember what Kenny Shields was. It something like a strong performance he wanted. Aye, it was pretty much the same thing Neil Lennon said. Yes. Yeah. I mean, surely, I can understand where they're coming from, but surely we always want a strong performance off a referee. Yeah, you'd think so. so but it seems to be that they, they only react when somebody complains and well, sports seem like to take that role on as uh, as they do in most weeks by, by pointing out the, the issues to them. So, yeah, maybe that's maybe no, nobody complained about Kenny Shields and they can't act. I don't know, I'm just guessing. I was, I was, talking, to a, I was talking to a Celtic fan at work today about, about the game and about Lennon and all the rest, and he was kind of the, the same opinion as you two that it's really um, what he did yesterday was a bit of an embarrassment. He was sort of saying he's wondering whether, you know, especially given the, the comments on Twitter, whether Neil Lennon's aware of the fact that, you know, the SFA are going to get wind of this and throw the book at him and whether he's maybe trying to engineer a situation where it might be easier for him to, to walk away at the end of the season. I've heard that suggestion as well. I don't believe it though. I don't think, I think Neil Lennon's got his dream job. This is the problem. I don't think Neil Lennon would want to go anywhere else. As much as it's hard for him to have to put up with all the nonsense that goes with the job. I think he enjoys it. I think he's, I, there, was, there wasn't a more delighted man at Rugby Park last weekend when Celtic clinched the league title than Neil Lennon. Yes. And I think that's he's he'd be more than happy to be there for 10, 15, 20 years. It's, I mean, it's a, or it's an Alex Ferguson yeah. type kind of length of time. If he if he walks away now, that a lot of people will point to the fact that they lost the league last season. But you need to look at the amount of points that they accumulated and how that would have won the league probably two or three seasons before that. He won was it every game in the running prior to that. This season he's won the league. Yes, he's he's got. Uh, knocked out of both cups but for me I think he's a success I think he's done well so if he did walk away I think his, his legacy is there as a, as a successful Celtic manager It just depends on the ambition really doesn't it because I didn't read the full article in the in the paper at the weekend but there was some suggestions he was talking about you know Champions League and all the rest and it's been maybe taking a wee bit of a pinch of salt and taking it out of context a wee bit as well to be honest, and it's yeah. whether or not he, it's kind of saying he sees himself as somebody who can, who can maybe you know be at the club for a number of years and and, and take them forward. But again, if if you're looking at ambition in Scottish football, I mean, your ambitions are what to maybe maybe win the league every year for a few seasons, you know maybe do a double or a treble because I mean I think this season's probably the the best chance they would have had of the treble for a long time and possibly years to come as well, but. The European thing and the Champions League thing for, for Rangers and Celtic, certainly in the short term, I, th- I think is out the window. So, I, I, I don't know, it comes down to ambition for me and, and whether or not that would be enough um, for Neil Lennon. He's, he's, a relatively, he's a relatively young guy as well, so I mean, you would think he would have some sort of um, longer-term plan in, in terms of managing teams out with a Scotland, I would have thought. Because, I mean, there's only, there's only one team in Scotland he's going to manage, so he has to, he has to yes. move somewhere else. And I suspect it's probably not a continental move, so he would be looking um, he would be looking at going down south. So, I mean, I, I, I think I think for me, going back to the point I was making earlier about this perception of the guy, I, I think somebody at Celtic Park needs to, needs to sort of sit down and by hook or by crook, engineer some sort of positive publicity in terms of getting getting this a real story and Neil Lennon out there and an interview with a guy and, and get it out in the media because too much of what we see or what I see or read about Neil Lennon is what's piped through the 
through the tabloid papers, which nine times out of ten is complete rubbish. I mean, everything I read uh, online and everywhere else from from you know, generally independent people, everyone will tell you that he's a genuinely nice guy away from you know, away from the football pitch. You couldn't hope to meet a nicer guy, and I think it would serve everybody's um, and everybody's interest if Celtic maybe tried to try to get something out into the media, which was a bit more about the guy himself in terms of the this a picture that's portrayed nine times out of ten through the newspapers. If you look at his, his Twitter account, ignoring when, when he gets beat, but if you look at his Twitter account, he's, uh, some of his tweets are interesting, I follow him, because uh, some of the banter, he, he seems to have some some good laughs with his, uh, his coaching staff and, and his team. He, he always takes time out to respond to people. He's, if you look at his, his actual profile page, he's responding to people all the time and to be honest he puts up with a lot of abuse and, and seems to come back with some good retorts to that so from what I see from that Twitter account he is doing an okay job at getting a, getting across his, his true persona but he just needs to take a step away, just even one day away after a defeat and then come back and then and then if you still feel the same, say it but, but don't say it in the heat of the moment because we've all touched on that we've all done that ourselves and you always regret it. Right, I'm going to put my fat bar hat on because the, the real shame of this whole thing is everybody's talking about the decisions and everybody's talking about Neil Lennon's reaction and everybody's talking about Celtic, Celtic, Celtic. Let's face it, Hearts got the tactics absolutely spot on on Sunday. Yep. And very yep. few people have pointed this out. They soaked up the pressure, they took the, the gave Celtic the ball in the first half which is, and mm-hmm. Celtic got about 40 minutes before they had a shot and then of yes. course Key hit the post and that was a bit of luck for Hearts. And then they changed it at half-time, put Craig Beatty on, went 4-4-2, and immediately it had an effect. And then they soaked up a bit more pressure, but hitting the counter-attack. Lost the goal, but were immediately back up the park looking for the winner. I mean, it could quite easily have swung the other way, and Celtic could have been the one chasing the late winner. And they, they got a bit of luck with a penalty. But, I mean, to be, all credit to Hearts for the, the win. They, they, they fully deserved it, I think, because they played it to perfection. Yes, yep, exactly. They... Uh, the first half wasn't pretty to watch uh, for a neutral, never mind a, a Hearts fan who must have been sitting on the edge of their seat. But yes, I played the game exactly how it, sh- how it should be done. I uh, used the used secret weapon, Beatty, very well. Done something to Scatchel at half-time to get him <laughs> fired up. And to give him something to play up front, Will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're right. I credit the Hearts and that, well, that's them got their, their dream final. Yep. Against Hibs. An Edinburgh Derby in Glasgow for the first ever time. That's exciting times. Uh, Laurie was, was overcome with emotion from what I seen. He's <laughs> crying like a wee girl. Uh, well, it, it sounded that way, yep. He would be in tears just now. But yeah, I, I, very exciting times. Uh, I'm not too sure how I'd call the final, to be honest, because you look at the league table and it's pretty clear who's the favourite going into this. But Hibs are going to be out for out for the win here, the first time and the first time they've won it in anybody's lifetime. A hundred and ten years. I don't think there's going to be any Hibs fans remember back then. No. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's a final every day every day wanted to see to be honest because all due respect to, to Celtic and Aberdeen, you know, a Celtic Aberdeen final or even a Celtic Hibs final, I don't think would have carried the same. In the same interest level, I just, I just think it's brilliant for um, 
in a season which Scottish football has been taking really quite a bit of a kicking from various quarters. I think it's really good that the, the last game we're going to see is a, um, it's a good old-fashioned proper derby. And as I was saying to Laurie last night on Twitter, I mean, the, the stakes for this one are just massive. The, the fact that it's a Scottish Cup and the silverware estate kind of gets out the window because the victorious team, A, lifts the cup, you know, B is it's, it's Scottish Cup, you know, champions, and it's also this this whole hoodoo thing they've got going on as well. Not only do you beat your your, your city rivals to win it, either Hibs and this you know, ridiculous hoodoo that they've got in the cup, which Hearts fans constantly throw down their you know, throw it. And you mentioned you know Scatchley earlier on as well. It's, it's a running joke in Edinburgh. Yep. Or Hibs get to maintain this hoodoo, and with the way Hibs are going at the moment, God knows when the next time they're going to be. And a Scottish Cup final is, I mean, it's the, the trophy is almost secondary in this one for me. I think there's, there's just so much at stake that that game could be a real beauty. There's always fairy tales in football for me. I mean, if you go back to Celtic winning the 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 league in Cup double in their centenary year and the way they did that coming from behind in the semi final and the final. And then you get like it's it's not even just football it's sport as a whole because I mean if you you go into baseball then you've got your your Red Sox went eighty six years without winning a World Series and of course they had to beat the Yankees to get the the way through it that's the big rivalry in baseball and I just it comes down to the wee small things like the minute I seen Craig beat he was taking that penalty I thought former players always come back to haunt you this is in the net mm-hmm. I just yeah. I knew it was a goal I could have walked out by that point and I think. If Hibs are going to end a 110-year wait for the Scottish Cup, it can only be against Hearts. Yep. And I think, I think, well, there. <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to that because Hearts are unbeaten in the last 10 games against Hibs. And it's just, there's just something magical about football and I think Hibs are more than capable of winning this cup now. Yeah, I hope that they get a good crowd coming to see it. I'm sure that, I'm sure oh, that, that they will. I'll be a sellout, I would imagine. There's no, you'd be struggling to get a ticket for that one. Other than that, other than an old firm final, I think that's, there won't be any spare tickets for that. Because even despite the two the two sides who can carry massive supports on their day, I mean, they'd be a queue in neutrals. Yes. Um, waiting to snap up tickets for that, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be a cracker in the afternoon, really good. And you've got all the suits getting their freebies as well. That's right, yeah, your 12,000 <laughs> tickets to go awry. So going back to the the game and the, the Hearts won that two one and the predictor I went three 0 Celtic totally wrong John went two one Celtic and Chris went three one Celtic so uh, we were rubbish at that. Yep. <laughs> so uh, the podcast is recorded on a Monday evening and earlier on BBC Sports Sound had a, an exclusive that they wanted to to highlight today and that was that the SFA are potentially looking into setting up a, a national football league to replace the current SPL and SFL setup. Now, there isn't really any meat on the bones here. It's, it's very much uh, just a, a very vague rumour slash proposal at the moment. But what, what do you guys think of it? Do you think it's... Well, yeah, what do you think? I'll be honest, my first reaction when I read it was... The way they've worded it, it's a kind of threat to like the SPL and the SFL to sort out all their silly wee arguments, just get the, the league organised properly and put everything on the table and make sure everything's on properly. But, having said that, I think I'd actually prefer it. Because this two and three bodies running Scottish football just doesn't work. If everything's under the one banner, everything gets organised properly, everything can be scheduled properly, 
it would just be a lot more efficient if everything was under a one banner. So I would be all in favour of it. What I'm not sure is if I'm all in favour of the SFA being the ones that are in it. Because I think the SFA is a bit of a shambles at times. Yeah, I think we, we talked about this a little bit on Twitter earlier. And uh, yeah, I think, it, I think it's going to be better than what we've got just now. I think it has to be. Because right now the, the SPL, for me, is it's a business and it's it's all about itself. The, t- the talk yeah. of expanding that to the SPL 1, SPL 2, I, I was always opposed to that because, of course, they're going to propose that as being the way forward for Scottish football because it makes them more money. Of course, Doncaster's going to say that because that's his job. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the SPL as a company. So, yes, I'd be, I'd be happy for the SFA to, to take over and, and create this National League setup, I think it could be an exciting time to set this up from scratch because we, we could be looking to create a, a true pyramid from the, the, the ground up. We could look at incorporating somehow maybe the juniors, the Highland League, something to stop a team like Easterling finishing bottom of the third division and knowing that there's nowhere they can go. So what if you finish bottom? It doesn't really matter. Just get yourself sorted for next year and just try and see if you can finish a wee bit higher. But if you can't, nothing's going to happen. You need a pyramid there. You look down in England, and I don't know how far down it goes, but I know it goes well beyond the the conference or the, what do they call it now, the Blue Square Premier. It goes from that, and then there's another, I think, two leagues going into that, and... Uh, that probably the, goes right down Conference to North and South, and then you get the, 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 the mining league or whatever it's called, and then you get the regional leagues in the North and the South, and all sorts of things. So, Aye, that eight goes or nine all the way back to un, under fives. Yeah. Nursery. Aye, it's, it's brilliant, I think, because <laughs> every club has to dream, and yeah. right now they, they just can't get in unless they're invited to come yeah. in because another team has, has folded or, or something's happened. And that's the only way they get in. It's just not right. No, it's still. Yeah, I, I, I'm in favour of any sort of change in Scottish football, to be honest, because uh, I, I'm just sick to the back teeth of what we've got at the moment. Every every season, I find it harder and harder to put my hand in my pocket and shell out money for um, for what we're uh, for what we're you know, what we're paying to watch. And I think it's interesting. I agree a lot. A lot of what Chris was saying. I, I think the wording of the statement tonight is very much a case of, you know, this this is this is potentially on the radar but you know get your houses in order but I'm just wondering whether the SFA are sort of dipping their toe in the water a wee bit here and saying you know let's see what sort of reaction there is from the from the public in terms of this statement and if there does seem to be um, sort of widespread wide, widespread support for it I'm wondering whether they might actually take take a plunge to do something about it but again I, I agree 100% with Chris I just I'm not sure whether the SFA are the right people to be running that? I'm just the track record over the last few years isn't really that great. But if we could get some sort of amalgam- amalgamation of the better people from the SFA, the SPL, and the SFL, then you know there, there might be a way forward in this one. But um, I'd love to see it happen. Do I think it'll happen? I doubt it. It'd be nice to see what the proposals were because at the moment all we're getting is we think we might set up a league. But I mean, yes. what do they mean by they're going to set up a league? Do they mean they're going to set up like a a new sixteen-team top flight? Are they going to set up exactly what we've got already under a new banner? Are we going to get the pyramid system? Are we going to just no bother and only invite certain teams in, and we'll just run with sixteen teams and that'll be it? There is no promotion or relegation anywhere. I think we need to see what the 
the details of the the plan are before we can really say whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, and one one very dangerous thing about this is that if we do go down the route of of the setting up this new league, and the the invitations go out to the teams to to resign from their their current structure, what what if we see a split? What if we see a, a large proportion saying no, we're not leaving, we're happy with the SFL, we're happy with the SPL, are we going to end up in a worse situation than we are now? Are we going to? Is there the potential to go down the route of the darts, how you have the the two different competitions on the go, uh, equally cl- each claiming that they're the top, if you like, uh, similar to maybe boxing as well? Is I just think that there is a danger there. Yeah, yeah. We, we end up going down the, the path where we'll end up with so uh, you get the two winners at the end of the season playing off each other to see who the the best team in Scotland really is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would hope it wouldn't come to that. I just think as well with the, the number of things that are going on in Scottish football just now with the, with the current, you know, what's happening at Rangers as well, and you know this possible breakaway ten and changes to the rules. I'm I'm just it's a fifty-fifty for me. I'm not sure whether at the moment the last thing we should be doing is looking at overhauling the league structures, or whether the first thing we should be doing at the moment is looking at overhauling the league structures. Because if we're going to if we're going to start making changes. Um, you know, far-reaching changes. Then maybe now is the time to do it and just get it all out of the way, wipe the slate clean, and start again. But I can't make my mind up whether there's, um, as you guys are saying, whether there's much substance behind what's being proposed here. I, 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 like Chris was saying, you would need to see a bit more detail in terms of just what they are proposing, rather than the, what appears to be a pretty glib uh, release today, saying that they might be looking at it if this 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 happens or or something else happens. So it's. Uh, it might be a wee bit of a non-story at the moment, but depending on how much reaction it gets in the public, you know, it might find it crops up again in the future. It's possible we need something drastic, though, because the idea of losing Rangers for the league is quite frightening for all those that run it, because Rangers and Celtic are the teams that draw in the money and draw in the viewers, as much as the other ten like, like to think they're the... They play a big part in it as well. The reality is, it's Celtic Rangers fans that watch the telly and they're the ones that Sky and the telly deals and the sponsorships and all that come in for. Now, obviously, you can't have a league without the other teams anyway, but, I mean, it, 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 the idea of losing Rangers out of that means you've just got Celtic, so people drop out and we could be looking at a, a, an issue where we're going to run out of money and clubs are going to start going to the wall, so maybe we do need to change things. But then, do we really want to put it back the way it was? Because what we've had the last... 10, 15, 20 years has been Celtic Rangers dominating all, everyone else playing for third place with the odd freak season where maybe Hearts finished second and then it's, we've been complaining for years of Scottish football's on a kind of a downward spiral and then do we want to pass up the opportunity to change it? I don't think we do. I think we, I think this is a great opportunity to be changing it. Now I what we that, do is the question. Yeah, I think that the dominance of, of one uh, two, two, three, four teams. I think it, it's inevitable, really, in, in European football, if we're ignoring outside investment, because of the way the the Champions League is set up. If you you look at, uh, like Spain, for example, you've got the the two teams there dominating England. I think it's safe to say that there's three, maybe four teams, if you're ignoring the the outside influence and money. And and the same in Scotland. I just think that. It's the way football's going. That the rich are getting richer. Maybe not the the case in for Rangers, but the, the rich are getting richer because UEFA have set it up that way. 
they've set it up to to benefit the the big teams if you like. Now Rangers and Celtic may actually be not included in that, but it just that's the, the way I see it. That we, I think we need to accept that's the way it'll be. Well, it comes for me. It comes down to the thing again. You, you're right. I mean, you can you can talk about the the English the English Premier League, and you can talk about the Spanish league and the Italian league and all the rest in Champions League. I think we've got ourselves in this situation where, you know, the Rangers and Celtic for a number of years have been chasing this Champions League um, prize. And okay, there was never really a suggestion that either one would, you know, would win the tournament. But every single year, both were trying to qualify and qualify for the latter stages because that then released X amount of money, which kind of made up about the business plan of both clubs as well. So there was always that. Um, that was always a long term aim out with winning the league. The problem with that is, is Rangers and Celtic chased that. Every other club in the league tried to chase Rangers and Celtic. And this is what's got ourselves into this mess that we're in at the moment. We've got a, a slew of clubs now. Well, certainly, maybe not all of them, but certainly four or five in that league who are now just paying out far too much money on players and they're charging far too much money at the gate and they're putting off punters coming. And that's where the decline of the game's coming in here. You just, you can't keep increasing the gate prices and you can't keep increasing what you're paying players because it just comes to a point where it has to halt and I think we're at a tipping point with this just at the moment because as the crowds go down and down and down then there's um, I mean there's, there's just no future for it I mean if you're if you're playing playing in front of maybe 2,000 people every week and you're still paying guys three four thousand pounds a week it's just it's just a nonsense for me I don't I can't say it's, it's sustainable in the long term yeah, well, well, hopefully in the, the next week or so, maybe in the, the near future, we'll get a wee bit more information on that setup because it's interesting, interesting news. But yeah, we've, we've nothing really, we've no facts really to discuss here. So, so yeah, we'll probably bring this up in another podcast in the future. So I thought I'd bring up the Paul Band charity bet from last week. I think we'd went two weeks in a row where we'd won and hopefully going for the, the treble, but unfortunately it wasn't to be. There was four choices and I think only one of them won. So uh, it, it wasn't a, a good result for us. This week I've decided to, to pick the, the games and pick the winners because we all know how good I am at picking winners. And the first one up I've got is Falkirk to beat Wraith Rovers. I think, I think it's a safe one there. I've got Ross County away to Morton and Ross County to win. I think that they've went something like 30 games unbeaten. It's a, a very good record it's anyway. Good run, so. but now the league's mm-hmm. title's done. It's uh, kind of, hmm, maybe. <laughs> uh, who knows, who knows. And the next game I've got are both to beat Albion Rovers. Uh, both are pushing for the title in the second division. They're seven points behind with three games left, so it's a very, very slim chance of them making it back. But, I think that they're going to be pushing for the win here. And also in the second division and the leader this time, I went for Cowdenbeath to beat Forfar. I mentioned they're seven points ahead, so they'll be looking to tie up the title as soon as possible. So that's four teams. I don't have the odds, but I'll have £5 on, on that. Good stuff. What's in the kitty just now? Oh, we're sitting about £140, I think. That's all right. Ah, it's good, because we had a couple of good weeks. So yeah, still got a, a wee bit of time left to, to win some more money. So looking ahead to the, the SPL games that are coming up and we'll do our usual predictions and Greg you can get your usual six wrong. 
So the first game up is St. Johnson against Dundee United, and it's a lunchtime kickoff on Saturday, and it's live on ESPN. I'm going to go for a home victory here. I'm going to go for a tight one, 1-0 St. Johnson. One each for me. Score drop. Well, I agree. It's going to be a, a very tight one. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw, but I'm going to go with United 2-1. 2-1. Right. I take it that's Sandaza scoring for everybody for St. Johnson, yeah? Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course, of course. And we've got Hearts versus Rangers. Hearts are going to be loving it after the weekend, but I've, I've got to have my blue-tinted specs on, so I'm going to go for a, an away victory here. Rangers will be rested. They'll be up for it. I'm going to go for a 1-0. 2-1 Rangers for me, BL score, but Rangers, I think, will just be a wee bit too strong. 2-1. Nah, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> one each. <laughs> uh, both to lose. <laughs> uh, Inverness against Aberdeen. I'm going to go for a home victory here because it's up in Inverness and Sergio says it's still a game of football, one ball, one ref, that kind of thing. <laughs> but I'm still going to go for an Inverness victory, 1-0. I've got to say, more misery for Aberdeen for me. Yeah, 1-0 Inverness. Uh, Aberdeen season's done. Inverness still need a couple of points to be safe. Yeah, 1-0. St Marin against Dunfermline. I, I just I can't see beyond a, a home victory here. I think Dunfermline will run it close, so I'm going to go 2-1 to St Mirren. I think Dunfermline might keep it alive a wee bit longer. I'll go 1-0 Dunfermline. Oof. I'm going to go 1-0 Dunfermline as well. Oof, there you are, eh? Confidence. Confidence for the pars. And on Sunday, the 2 o'clock kick-off is Motherwell against Celtic on Sky Sports 4. And I, I'm not I'm not sure what to, to think about this match because obviously Celtic have tied up the league. I'm not sure I, I could go two ways. It could become complacent because they're, they're nothing to challenge for, or the uh, or they could just they could just run over the top of Motherwell because uh, there's no pressure. I just I just don't know. I'm going to go for the going to sit in the fence. I'm going to go two two. I have I fancy a draw as well on this one. I agree with you. I think. I think with the pressure being off Celtic a wee bit off off the off the back of a bad result on the weekend they'll they'll be out and back to playing the, the football that they've been um they've been credited with this season. But I, I I'm still I'm still waiting for a performance from Motherwell as well. We've we've not been very good the last few weeks and we've got players in there who on their day can perform as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a six goal thriller for each. <laughs> Uh, as much as I'd like to see some of the younger players playing in this match, there's a Youth Cup final on Monday. <laughs> so I doubt we're going to see the youth. We'll probably see some of the fringe players like Pavel Brozek and maybe Paddy McCourt and players like that. So uh, let's say one each. So, aye, one each. And good luck to the Celtic in the Youth Cup final on Monday as well because it's uh, Dundee United are Queen of the South. They play sometime this week to decide to play Celtic in the final Hamden. Uh, and while I'm talking about youth, congratulations to Rangers who won the Glasgow Cup tonight at Ibrox. Penalty shootout. Penalty shootout. 4-2 they won in penalties after a one each draw. Yep, we were talking about how that cup is going to be sitting pride of place next to the bike. Yep. <laughs> or melted down. <laughs> one one or the <laughs> So there's another game on Sunday. And I can only assume this is because Hearts are playing at home on Saturday. And that's Hibs against Killy. And that's a three o'clock kickoff, because I don't think it's on TV, not as far as I could see anyway. So uh, it must be because Hearts are playing at home. Yeah, it will be. 
there's there's not enough bobbies in Edinburgh. So that's I'm gonna go for a, a home win here. I'm gonna go one 0 to Hibs. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go for an away one. I think Kilmarnock might sneak it two one. I can kinda of see the logic with that, because I'm sure Kamala are hurting after their, their six 0 home defeat, but there's nothing to play for. Let's just Hibs have only won one game at home all season. Nah, that'll make it two. Two nil. Yep. So that's has done all the, the predictions for the SPL. If you want to get involved in our SPL predictor in the forum, if you go to forums.scottishfootballforums.co.uk and click on the SPL predictor at the, the top of the screen and it's free to join and you might win £20. Or if you want to just get involved with the banter in the forum, you can join forums.scottishfootballforums.co.uk. You can register using your email and password or you can register using Facebook or Twitter if you're lazy. So that's us good to the end of the podcast. Thanks a lot, guys, for coming on again. Yep, it's been good. Thanks for discussions yep. tonight. No worries. Uh, it's been eventful with the incidents in the, the, the Cup and with the revelations about the, the potential National League as well. So, yeah, it's been good that we've got a chance to discuss something other than games of football, really, with the National League. Uh, nice to, to take a wee step away from the, the review, preview setup. Just we don't have a lot of time normally right. for that kind of thing. We nearly overran we all the talk of the Scottish Cup. <laughs> we did, yeah. <laughs> One hour, 12 minutes for a podcast I said would be short. <laughs> That'll teach you to predict. <laughs> yep. Anyway, thanks a lot, guys. Eh? Cheers. Cheers. Bye.